The sermon text today is from James 3, 13, through chapter 4, verse 4. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Let's just pause and pray again. Our Father, we have sung of our desire for you to speak to us from your word. And now again, we ask that you would do that. In Christ's name, amen. We've been studying the New Testament book of James for a a few weeks now. The book of James is essentially an open letter to the church of Jesus Christ that um, explains to us what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's a very practical book. James James would say, listen, you've, you've come to Christ in faith. You want to live for his honor. And so he just lays it out there. Here's the way you do it. This is what it means to live for Jesus. And... In the passage we're looking at today, we find James describing two fundamentally different ways of approaching life that you'll find among people. Two just He calls them two kinds of wisdom. And these are just basic, personal, core philosophies. Um, you may not even be aware that you have it, but this just that the, the philosophy inside you that shapes the way you make decisions, the way you interact with people, um, it affects the, the, the way you respond to situations in the world. Just two kinds of wisdom, two approaches to life. And then he talks about where each of these approaches eventually will lead you. So what I want to do is just a very, I want to divide my thoughts today under three, three very simple headings. All right, first, I want to talk about the two paths of wisdom all right, the two approaches to life. Then I want to describe where, where those paths will lead us. And then thirdly, the power to follow the right path. All right, so the, the two paths of wisdom that James describes, the two approaches to life. The first, the first approach, James says in verse 15 of chapter 3, he calls it earthly. He says this is the earthly kind of wisdom. What he means is this is just, this is the commonly accepted way on planet Earth, all right, in this world, this is, the common, this is the common way for people to live. So most of the people you know probably live this way. 
Most of the people you went to school with, um, most of the people you, you work with, most of the, many perhaps of the people you go to church with. This is just the way they approach life. This is, this is the earthly kind of wisdom. Um, it's very common in this world. It's acceptable. There's nothing particularly scandalous about this. This is just this is the way it's done. In fact, James says in verse 14, there are some people who even boast about how good they are at living this way. All right, They take pride in it. And this first approach to life, the common one, this is basically when um, the way you approach life is you put yourself first. I'm not saying you're, you know, remarkably selfish, you're just, but this is the way you live life. You put yourself first. You, um, James describes this path, verse 16. He says, this is the way of envy and selfish ambition. And I know those sound like very ugly terms, but what are they? What is envy? Envy just means you know what you want, right? Ambition just means you go out and get it. So you know what you want, you go out and get it. What's wrong with that? That's the, way, that's the way life is in this world. And so James says, yes, that's the earthly way of wisdom. That's the way most people live. You, you put yourself first, your needs first, your career first. You put your family first, your nation first, your church first. You, what's, what has to do with you, that's what is priority. Um, so he says this is earthly. But you'll notice here, James doesn't only say that this is earthly, this is common. Notice verse 15, he also says, this, this path is unspiritual, and he says it's demonic. What do you think he meant by that? Well, when he says, at the very least, when he says it's, uh, it's unspiritual, I think James would say, the Holy Spirit wants absolutely nothing to do with this kind of life. You live this way, the Holy Spirit says, I, I cannot, I can't bless lives that are following that path demonic i wonder if he just wants to remind us of the story of of the devil lucifer how did how did lucifer become the devil this great high angel well he put himself first he he envied and he was ambitious he wanted god's place and he became this demonic being so um it's common but it's not recommended right this first kind of wisdom where you put yourself first the other the other approach to life that james talks about is rare rather than being earthly he says this, is, this comes from heaven. This is distinctly different than what you normally see in the world around you. And this, rather than putting yourself first, this is where you approach life and your core philosophy is you put others first. Here's, here's how James describes it. Verse 17 of chapter 3, he says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Let me ask you a question. Have you, ever, have you ever known anybody that would be described that way? That's just the way they live their life. When I studied this passage, there are sev several people from this congregation who immediately came to mind. That's, yeah, that describes her. That describes him. So what would these people be like? Well, James says that they are, when, when you fall, there's, there's a purity to this kind of wisdom. And what he means is, people who live this way, you don't have to worry that they have mixed motives when they deal with you. They're not trying to manipulate you. They, they don't have some kind of hidden agenda. There's just a purity about the way they are. You just, you feel like what you see, that's, that's what you get, right? They're, they're peace-loving, which I guess would mean they will bend over backwards to resolve a conflict with you. He, he says they are considerate, yeah, that's easy. They're gracious. They're, they're thoughtful. They're kind. 
It reminds me of something he said in chapter one. He said, everyone, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's, that's, that's what he's describing here by considerate. They're submissive. I, I bet that means a number of things, but that would include if they're submissive, it means they are not defiant of authority. They, they show respect for people in positions of leadership. He says they're full of mercy, full of good fruit. They are impartial, which means they don't just act this way with some people, you know, their little group. They're this way for everyone. And he says they are sincere, which means they, they approach you in all these ways and they are not faking it. This is not some act. This is, this is the way they really are. Yeah, have you ever known somebody? That's the way they live. So these are people who, they, the way they just live their lives, they put other people, their needs, others' concerns, others' difficulties, they put the needs of others ahead of their own. Um, now, people who live this way might be very successful people. They might be very accomplished. They might, they might even uh, be prosperous. But James would say the, the people who live this way, these are not individuals who show their wisdom by their success. They don't show their wisdom by all they've accomplished, all the diplomas on the wall, how much money they have in the bank. He says, no, these people, verse 13, they show their wisdom by their good life, by, by deeds done in humility. What is special about them is not anything that they've ever accomplished. Just who they are. Um, so these are the two paths, two kinds of wisdom, two ways to approach life. There's, to, to make it kind of simple, the me first approach and the others first approach. Now, as, uh, as I studied this passage this week, here's what really rattled me, okay? Um, James is not talking about the difference between people in the church and people in the world. He's not saying, you know, those non-Christians out there, they are so selfish, they always put their self first, but isn't it nice that we're Christians, we live with others first. He's not, he's not saying that, he's, in fact, he's assuming that there will be some people, perhaps a, a significant number of people in any congregation, who even though they love Christ and profess faith in Christ, the core philosophy that governs the way they live is just like that of people in the world. So here's what he says, verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? I'm talking, he says, church, I'm talking to you. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So when he says among you, just to remind you of the audience to whom James was writing, chapter 1, he described them as people who love to hear the word of God. They listen to preaching. Uh, they're not always doers of the word, but they are hearers, right? They love to hear the word. Chapter 2, he talks about their gatherings. They are people who love to gather with other believers. Chapter 3, earlier in the passage, he talks about how they love to worship God. They praise God with their tongue. So these are people who, here's how they live their life. They gather with other Christians. They hear the word proclaimed. They sing praise to God. And James looks at them and says, you know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, among you, church, what's your core philosophy? What's the, what's the wisdom that you embrace? What is it inside you that governs just the instinctive way you live? Is it self first or others? 
Now, James goes on to, to describe where these two paths will lead. And um, basically, he says, though, uh, though you may not immediately recognize a, a difference in the lives of people who live these two distinct ways, he said eventually they will lead to very, very different places. And, and the, the effect that these paths will have will be felt primarily in our relationships. So whatever path you choose, it will, it will affect your relationships. Listen, it will affect your relationship with other people, and it will affect your relationship with God. So, for example, you look here. He says those who, who practice the wisdom that comes from heaven, those who live a life of humility, they put others first. He says, verse 18, what, what happens to these people? He says they become peacemakers. They become peacemakers. Not, not, they don't just experience inner peace. They actually bring inner peace to others. They, they spread the shalom of God, the, the goodness, the well-being of God just kind of uh, is diffused through them into their relationships with others. Other people's lives are touched by them. Yesterday, um, we had a gathering of the men's fellowship, and they, we studied this passage together, and the, the leader, uh, Raul, asked us this question. He said, um, have you, any of you ever known somebody that you think could be described as a peacemaker? And one of the men immediately said, yeah, there's this woman at, at my job. She's the, the head of my department. He said, you know, most people where I work, they're miserable, but everyone in my department, everyone, we love our jobs, and it's all because of her. She's just so, she is so considerate of others, and she always listens and cares about our needs, and she just, she, the, the, she is, she brings peace into the workplace. Man, I heard that. I thought, I would love, wouldn't you love to be that kind of person? Right, so um, people who follow this path, the wisdom from heaven, um, it affects their relationship with others. And notice it, it affects their relationship with God. Verse 18, again, peacemakers who sow in peace reap, reap a harvest of what? Of righteousness. The word righteousness in the Bible is a very, very rich term. Um, sometimes it refers to the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to us when we believe. That's not what it's talking about here. Here, here it's, talking about, it's talking about the righteousness of life, the righteousness of character that's formed within a man, formed within a woman as, as he or she grows in their relationship with God. It's just it's an a, a, a inner godliness of character that's formed within a person. And, and so he says, peace, peacemakers who sow in peace, people who, who follow this strange path of putting others first, he says, here's what happens. What they reap in their own life and character is the very righteousness of God. They're, they become people whose lives make God happy, whose lives please the Lord. If you've, if you've ever known somebody, have you known somebody like that? It, this is so difficult to describe, but there are certain people, you meet them, and you just say, he's really close to God. She's just close to God. There's a closeness that you sense it that, that in, in their relationship. And this, this has an effect on their prayer life. When we get to chapter 5, James talking about prayer, he says this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Isn't that intriguing? He doesn't just say the prayer of any Christian is powerful and effective. No. He says a righteous man, a righteous woman, somebody who's lived this way, there is a, there, there, there is a, 
there's an intimacy with God that lends itself to an effectiveness of their prayers. So those who follow this strange path, this, this, this wisdom from above, putting others first, they, it, it, it diffuses into every relationship in their life and it draws them into the presence of God. In the same way, those who practice the earthly wisdom, who follow this approach to life, it's me first, it affects their relationships with others. And it affects their relationship with God. I mean, basically, you'd say their, their relationship with others are just destroyed. Verse, starting at verse 1 of chapter 4, he's talking to a church where apparently there was a lot of fighting going on. He says, what, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And if I'm in conflict, I say, I'll tell you what's causing all these fights. It's these knuckleheads around here, right? It's them. But what does James say? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from their desires that battle within you? You, you desire it and you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. So he's saying, listen, people who live this way, there's just conflict everywhere they go. Now, we want to be careful with this. I don't want to heap burdens on anyone because I'm, everyone will have some conflict in their life. Jesus had his share of enemies, right? But when you're, when you're living, when you're following this path of putting yourself, your needs first, it just seems like, it just seems like there's conflict, there's conflict at work, there's conflict in church, there's conflict in, in your friendship, just everywhere you go. So at, once in a while, over the years, we've had new, new people come to the church. And, and by the way, we always, we always welcome new people when they come to our church, right, no matter where they're from. But um, once in a while, we'll have a newcomer come to the church, and I'll talk to them and ask them about their church experience. You know, have you ever been involved in the life of a congregation before? And sometimes there'll be people will answer like this. They say, oh, yeah, I've been in a lot of churches, all right? I mean, there was the church where I came to faith, and, and that was nice for a while, but then the people started being mean to me. And then I went to another church, and it was good for a while, and then, the, you know, the people started being mean to me. And then I went to a third church, and the people were mean to me. But I am so glad to be here at ACC, where the people are nice. Whenever I hear something like that, you know, call me a pessimist if you want. Maybe I'm lacking faith. But whenever I hear something like that, I just think to myself, it's not going to end well for that person in our, in our church, right? Because, listen, if there's listen, if you have a problem with him, I have a problem with her, I have a problem with them, listen... I'm the problem, right? So listen, in, in churches where a significant number of people, their core philosophy, the wisdom that shapes the way they live is just like everyone else in the world. They put themselves first. Churches like that will be filled with conflict and division. Families where people put themselves first. Don't you want to go home at the end of the day and you walk into your home and it's your refuge. It's just safe there. Families where people live this way, it's not like that. Marriages where couples live putting themselves first. I heard one guy, he's talking about his marriage. He said, you know, my wife and I, when we got married, we know that the Bible says the two will become one. And then we spent the next seven years of our marriage fighting over which one of us we were going to become, right? <laughs> there will always be conflict if, if you're putting yourself first, right? In fact, he says in verse 16, uh, where you have envy and selfish ambition, 
Even if, people, if the people clean up nice and they look good on the outside, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So following this way of the world is common, but it affects your relationships with others. And then quickly, it, it, it impacts your relationship with God. It will have an immediate... Listen, it, we, go through, we go through dry seasons, but if your prayer life is consistently dead... You might have to ask if you live this way. Because it, if, you're, if you're putting self first, you cannot be a woman of prayer. You cannot be a man of prayer. You won't even want to pray. This is what James says in the verse 2. You, you don't have because you don't ask God. You never think to pray. You're just out there trying to get for you. And he says, and when you ask, you don't receive. Because you're not praying big outwardly faced kingdom centered prayers for the needs of people in this world you don't even think to pray that way he says because you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure so this it affects your relationship with God and eventually this is a scary verse verse 4 just says it makes you an enemy of God to live that way you embrace you love the world. You embrace the ways of the world. He says, uh, anyone who chooses to become a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. There's just this complete alienation from the Lord. Now, um, among Christians, and you can tell me if this would describe you. Among Christians, for many of us, some of our favorite verses in the whole Bible. I love these. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you what? Do you know that verse? I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's just, I love that, because I want that rest. But do you notice what Jesus said? He says, yoke yourself to me. Learn from me. Now, what does Jesus want us to learn from him? How to walk on water? No. How to do miracles? No. He says, I'm, he's, here's what I want you to learn. He says, I'm gentle. I'm humble. I don't put myself. He says, guys, that's what I want you to learn from me. He says, if you learn that from me, you will have soul rest. Soul rest. So that's where these paths lead, all right? Either rich, meaningful relationships with others and with God or absolute chaos and confusion. So how in the world do we get the power, that's my third point, to walk the right path? And here's why I say that. The reason I think that we need power to, to, um, to live putting others first because that's scary. You find that scary? I mean, you read this being considerate and peace-loving and meek and humble and, 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 you know, putting others ahead of yourself. I read that. I'm like, God, they're going to they're gonna eat me alive if I live that way. And I'm not just talking, you know, out there on the streets. In your friendships, in your marriage. I remember an acquaintance once just asking for prayer. He said, you know what? I feel like, I feel like my wife and I are just afraid of each other. 
They're both very busy, involved in ministry. He said, you know what? Our schedules are so full. If either one of us is even a little bit selfish, the whole, the whole household's going to unravel. We're just afraid of each other. That someone's going to demand too much. And so we're all trying to protect ourselves. There's just this fear. If I really, really just trust Jesus and serve, I will get squashed. So how do you get the power to say, you know what? I'm not going to be controlled by fear. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to lay it out there. With his help, I'm going to do that. Well, listen, I think to be able to, um, to have that kind of faith, you, I would say this, and I'll, I'll be quick with this. You have to be absolutely convinced of two things to have that kind of faith. You got to be, A, you got to be convinced that God really loves you. He's not going to forget you. You know, I forgot all about her. You know, he's not going to forget you. He really, really loves you. And you have to be convinced that he has the power to protect you. Because it's risky to live this way. I mean, you have, to, you have to be convinced of these two things. God's love, God's power. The gospel of Jesus Christ has the resources to convince you of those two things. I mean, how else do you know God really loves you? Because everything's going perfect in your life right now. No, usually it's not. How do you, believer, how do you know God loves you? He gave his son for you. He died for you. You think he's going to forget you? How can he ever forget you? He gave his son for you, believer. He loves you. So that'll convince you of his love. But what about his power? It's not the one thing if he loves me, but what if he can't help? All right, you know, this, you know the drill. You know the story. Three days after he died, what happened to Jesus? Well, he just walked out of that tomb. There's no power on earth can stop him. There's no, there's, so if you're going into life this risky way, saying, you know what? I'm going to give myself away. I'm going to trust God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love people who don't love me back. I'm going to serve people who never say thank you. I'm just going to, with God's help, I'm going to practice this wisdom from above, from heaven. You know, the gospel would say to you, you don't need to fear. There is a God in heaven who loves you more than you can ever imagine. He gave his son for you, and there is no limit to his power. He raised his son from the dead. So, guys, when we come to the table today, would you allow the Holy Spirit here to remind you of those two things? You have a God who loves you. You have a God who raised his son. He's, his power is at work in your life. And, and, would, and as you receive the bread... The cup, you say, God, would you just empower me to follow the, the path of the wisdom from heaven? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, meet us at the table. Help us. You know our hearts. We are, we are afraid and we're selfish, but your gospel has the power to deliver. So do that for us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.